Well, hello, I'm Greg. I'm Kara. <laughs> and uh, welcome back to our podcast, The Ways He Forms Us. That I don't even know what accent that was. But we believe that becoming more like Jesus and becoming more ourselves are the exact same thing. And that as God forms us into the image of his son, we actually become the people that he created us to be. So this is a podcast about the ways he forms us. So we talk spiritual formation that is rooted and anchored in robust theology. So we don't lose our personalities when we decide to follow Jesus. <laughs> we do not lose our personalities. Although that's what I used to think would happen. That um, if I became a Christian, I would become a weird robotic version of myself. And uh, I was, you know, I've said this a billion times, but I always was afraid I was going to have to wear khakis the rest of my life and um, adopt some strange Christian language and vocabulary and... Mm. I thought I was going to lose my personality, but actually we become more who, uh, we become more ourselves when we, we become like Christ. Um, they're the exact same path. So, yeah. So the theme of this episode is uh, creating a regular time with God through scripture. Where And the, the goal is that we're not merely uh, learning new things about God as though we're observing him uh, like we're a crowd of people looking in. But instead of just learning new things, we are becoming a new person. So it's not as much about, I think a lot of people think of like quiet time, whatever you want to call it, as something where we're, uh, we're studiously gaining new information about God. And I think actually it's more about transformation than it is information. Um, and I'm not just making that up. I, I see a little bit of that in 2 Corinthians 3.18. I'll read it here for you. It says, and we all with unveiled face, uh, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Um, so Paul is essentially saying, <clears throat> the way I'm reading that is that as we look at the glory of the Lord through Scripture, as we steady our gaze on him, we actually are receiving particles of his glory into our own being. So in other words, we are being transformed, like he says, into Christ's image as we gaze at him in scripture. So Kara, in a minute, I want you to tell us about some of your experience of quiet times, the supposed quiet times, um, as, as you were growing up, the goods and the bads and all that stuff. But I, I also want to say that you know sometimes we think of uh we think of scripture we, we treat scripture like it's a frog that we're dissecting in our ninth grade biology class we we put scripture we lay it out in front of us and we we get all of our study tools and we just dissect the life out of it instead of having this um this attitude and this posture of coming to scripture where we are allowing it to have its way with us Rather than scripture, um, us having our way with scripture, scripture has its way with us. So you know, that's why we say at Southside often that when we open up scripture, it's a type of violence <laughs> because we are allowing it to bow up on us and to come at us in ways that maybe um, we are uncomfortable sometimes. And that's It's doing what it's supposed to do. It is confronting all the ways we try to be our own gods. 
So, all right, that's the intro. Kara, tell me a little bit about your perception, your experiences of quiet time um, up until maybe a couple years ago when, when we had a dramatic shift. Okay. I think the best word to describe my experience and seeking of quote unquote the perfect quiet time was a lot of discouragement and feeling and thinking like I was doing something wrong. I think I, especially as a teenager, I think I had this preconceived notion that my quiet time was supposed to be this like, you know, this like magical experience, you know, where I got all the goosebumps and, um, and sometimes, sometimes they were. Um, but I think the, the church background that I grew up in, a lot of times I think I was just trying to like pump myself up, you know, like I pace around like trying to feel a certain way it was like I'm gonna you know stir up stir up the stuff inside and I don't think there's anything wrong with praying that way or you know quoting scripture or any of that stuff but I think I had the wrong idea that it was supposed to feel a certain way for it to be working and by the time I was in my early 20s, I was just really tired. Mm. <laughs> I was really, really tired. Because it's a lot of work to conjure up a lot of emotion and feeling that way. So I was very discouraged. And I think I was kind of disillusioned with the idea of being in scripture. And I think... Satan will use that, he did in my life anyway, where I felt like I was having an allergic reaction to even the idea of trying to crack open my Bible and begin to be in scripture. So um, what do you mean by that? So you didn't like opening scripture. Did you think that you had to be really excited about your quiet time? You had to wake up just energized and ready to dig into scripture is that kind of the the picture that you had in your mind of what this yes regular quiet time is supposed to be yes that I was supposed to like long to be in scripture and it it was my quiet times were abysmal and for years I didn't even have one I would just read like lightweight Christian right lit right yeah yeah, I think that's that's actually we're running into that a lot. Our our culture's obsession with feelings and needing to feel a certain way in order to to um, engage with God through uh, the means of grace or whatever you want to call them. Um, I I think for me, my quiet time was very ah, studious. Um, it, I, I was the one that was dissecting scripture rather than allowing it to dissect me. And I was making big commitments. I'm going to read through the Bible this many times this year, or I'm just going to read through the Bible this year. It was hard enough for me to keep that commitment. And I, I feel like it always turned into something that was done in my own strength, done in my own power. Mm -hmm. And it was always exhausting. And it, 
it, it, it never really felt like it was giving life to me. I felt like I was, um, it was draining me actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, w- there's this thing called, we, it's quiet time. If we call it that is part of this, this idea of these ordinary means of grace. Um, and I think that term goes back to at least, this is really nerdy, but I think it's the 17th century, um, uh, the people that wrote the Westminster Confession and the Westminster Shorter Catechism. I think they maybe were the first to use that term, the ordinary means of grace. So when we talk about quiet time, when we talk about means of grace, it's simply ways of being with God where we are intentionally becoming an open recipient to his grace. We're, we're putting ourselves intentionally in the way of spiritual growth because spiritual growth is something that is accomplished in us. It's not something that we accomplish on our own. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I'm going to throw this at you. Okay. What was, um, why don't you describe kind of a turning point for us that happened a few years ago. You don't have to give names, but can you describe a little bit of a turning point that happened in our personal quiet time, our personal devotional life? Yeah, for sure. Well, as we've mentioned in an earlier podcast, we cleaned dentist offices on the weekends. And somehow, (laughs) it was totally a God thing. We were... Actually, I think it was you. You were listening to podcasts and you stumbled across this wonderfully random church out on the West Coast and you heard who he's now our mentor. (laughs) You heard our mentor giving a sermon and you said to me, Kara, you have got to listen to this message. And I was like, "Eh, whatever. You know, I wasn't really into like listening to sermon podcasts i just that was not my thing yeah and by this time too i was not really all that i mean i had been um listening to some of my theological heroes in of the faith just like for hours on end lecturing about the finer points of of scripture and theology and things like that so i wasn't really all that into listening to sermons at the time but this guy man there was something about him that really really stood out really stood out to me and was beginning to transform me at a deep level so i'm sorry keep going no that's okay and so i listened to this teaching and our mentor is just saying it like it is and There were a couple of things that stood out to me in his teaching. Number one, he is snarky. And I just love that about him because... Spiritual gift. I am also snarky. And for some reason, like, he just, he gives me encouragement that, like, I can still really, really love Jesus and be super sassy. (laughs) Yes, and you do that well. I do that well. And, um... But the the things that he was saying, it was like this light bulb was like coming on in my brain. And some of the things that he was saying, you know, they weren't new ideas, but it was just, he was just so gracious and, and just compelling in terms of like spending time with Jesus and 
doing that in such a way that you actually become the person that God has created you to be. That mm. was that was such a remarkable and revolutionary statement because I legitimately didn't think that I was, I guess, allowed to kind of, you know, be myself and become more like Jesus. Hmm. So you were, does that mean that you were thinking that you had to, like you were joking around at the beginning of the podcast, lose your personality? Well, yeah. I mean, I say that kind of tongue in cheek, but I love to laugh. I, I have, I have a sense of humor. I am snarky and sassy and um and I, I can be very sarcastic and, and and you know sometimes I definitely can take that too far but I don't think that God says that we have to lose how he's created us to be to to follow him yeah. more fully but nobody had ever I had never heard anybody say that before yeah, and I, you know, I look at my life and I have just had a wealth of just incredibly godly men and mentors. I can list off a bunch of them. Um, I'm thinking KP, I'm thinking Danny. There, there's just a lot of guys, Matt, Ross, um, who have served Jay as incredible mentors in my life. And it's just this wealth of people and they've all uh, done different things for me at different times in my life. And, and many of them still are, but Bill was someone that he was teaching me how to be with God in a way that was truly transformational. Mm -hmm. And, um, he started, uh, with our quiet time for lack of a better word, um, a, a daily rhythm of being with Christ in a way that opens us up to transformation. It, there's a couple things I learned from him that were really interesting. One is that you don't have to be heroic when you're figuring out what your daily time with God is going to look like. And this is true for so many people that you know we make New Year's resolute. We are New Year's resolutions culture. So we make these big resolutions and you end up that bleeds into your ideas of how to do quiet time in the morning. And so you make these big promises to yourself and you overshoot, you overcommit, and then it ends up you either lean into your own sense of self-discipline to keep doing it, even though it's absolutely life-draining, or uh, you quit and you get disheartened and you get frustrated. Um, but something that he said is, because it's spiritual in nature, when something's spiritual in nature, it's organic in the real, actual use of the word, <laughs> and that it's living because the Spirit of God is in you, he's alive, because quiet time is or an organic transaction between you and God, God communicating himself to you through your interaction with scripture, the harder you try, the less it yields. Mm. So self-discipline when it comes to quiet time um, can actually be uh, harmful. You know, when we make these big heroic goals and we got through in our own strength, our own sense of discipline, um, it actually yields less than if you were to say, have a lightweight, easy yoke 
time of being with the Lord regularly. Doing a little every day for a very long time, as one of my friends used to say. Yeah, when Bill was first introducing us to this idea, he just had this like basic Word document that he emailed to us. And but he said, eh, just you know, try three or four days a week. And I was right. like, what? What? Three or four days a week? Like, are you serious? Like, I'm not like instantly supposed to do this every single day. But just the the grace of entering in, just to begin to spend, it, it, like five five to fifteen minutes at the you know at the most like when we were beginning but I was just like okay this is like super lightweight I should be doing more I need to be doing more Jesus is going to be disappointed in me right (laughs) right but man the fruit right the fruit and so his idea behind that is he he would say that you know God might expand your desire your capacity to do more which he has Mm -hmm. um, but just start three or four times a week, 15 minutes or so a day. So you start with that, but then it got to the place where I was desiring and actually craving to to be with God through scripture. It was something that I never experienced as consistently ever as I've experienced with this. So what we're going to do is I'm going to share that method that he gave us just very briefly and then, Kara, if you want to talk about something maybe that you do, you started with that and then you've transitioned a little bit and do something a little bit different, you can share that. So here it is. And you're, if you're a Southsider, in other words, if you go to our church, you've heard me talk about this before. But what it is, is um, you start, the, the thing that kind of warms up my heart to God is starting in a psalm. And I read the same psalm every morning for a week. Um, and I, and it's, as I'm doing that, it's training me to have a more honest and real, um, and intimate prayer life with God. The Psalms just expand your vocabulary. Someone said that the Psalms are the gymnasium for the soul and for your prayer life. Mm -hmm. They strengthen your prayer life because you see how honest and real and genuine the psalmist is in his prayer. So one psalm every morning and for a week, and then you go to the next psalm. So I'm I'm on my second time through that. It took me three years to get through the psalms the first time. And so I'm on like, I think Psalm 25. Now I'm going through it again. But then you go from there to a gospel and you plant yourself in four to six verses of a gospel. And you just, you read it and then you roll it over and over and over in your mind and you sit with it for maybe, I don't know, five minutes in silence and you just sit with it, you think on it, you pray it, you imagine it. And um, it's pretty powerful. And after you've done that, and all the while you're asking the Spirit to teach you, to lead you, to reveal things to you about himself, about God. And after you've done that, you pray. And it's not a list of things that you want God to do for you. And in fact, you're rarely asking for things at this point in this prayer. You're just going through your day with him. You're praying about your family 
You're praying about things that are on your heart. You're praying about things that you read in scripture, but then you're also listening. Listening prayer is vital too. So you're giving God space to give you things to pray about. And then you write uh, three or four sentences in a journal um, about maybe things God brought up in that process or, or just things that rise to the surface of your heart um, or things that are important to you. Just three or four sentences in your journal and then that's it. That's it. But the beautiful thing about that is the Psalms kind of give us a picture of the transcendence of God. And the gospel gives us a picture of the imminence of God. So the Psalms give us the transcendence. It, it shows us how majestic, how big, how glorious, how approachable God is in all his glory. And the gospel, focusing, keeping, keeping close to Jesus, reminds you of his imminence. That he's not only transcendent, he also drew near to us. He's also personal. He also came to us to be with us. Um, that's that's my regular morning time with the Lord. There's other times in my schedule in my life where I'm going through scripture systematically, listening to it actually, listening through scripture in its entirety. But that is what my regular time in the mornings uh, looks like. Kara, what do you got? I'm going to talk about the, the Psalms and the gospel from my perspective Um, because you're in seminary and you know you were coming alive and just learning um, so many incredible things already in the time period where we kind of came into this but when I started doing the Psalms I knew in my head already that I was supposed to go to God just as I was in whatever emotional state or frustration state that I was in. Like I knew intellectually that I wasn't supposed to and I didn't have to like get my stuff together or clean myself up to go to God. Mm -hmm. But in my experience, that's a whole lot easier thought than done. Mm -hmm. And what the Psalms really expanded for me um, was the fact that um, the writers of the Psalms were a disaster. <laughs> and it was really encouraging, though, to see, um, you know, they might enter into the, the writing of this just absolutely enraged and, you know, asking God to, like, crush their enemies and... Sorry, that's our dog. Asking God to like crush their enemies and grind them into powder. I mean, just literally talking about how much anger or rage that they were experiencing. And then you can see these movements that happen in in the writings, especially when you're sitting in a psalm for a week. Every day, something different is going Mm. to pop out at you. And that's when I really started to experience um, scripture coming alive. Like Mm. the spirit uses the word of God to work things out in us. And you see these movements happening in the Psalms, you know, where you're going from rage to sadness to trusting. Mm. And then, and sometimes the Psalms just like end at these really strange points. But 
these were normal people. These were human beings. And they, but they understood and they grasped the concept that they could go to God exactly as they were in that moment. And God works all of those things out. And so what the Psalms really started to do for me was to give me permission and vocabulary to be able to work stuff out mm. in my prayer life, in, in, my, in my real life. And, and I, I literally, um, we started doing this practice in 2016 and it's 2020 now. And um, because I've done this and my, my love for being in scripture has grown like more in the past four years than I ever thought was possible because especially since I was I think kind of jaded and a little bit cynical coming into this um, it, it is amazing to um, realize how much of my prayers are the Psalms because I have immersed myself in that scripture over the last four years and when we first started doing the psalm and the gospel i started in the book of john it took me 13 months to read through the book of john and i got to know jesus i don't even know how else to say it and all of a sudden i'd be reading this stuff and i might just sit in the same like four or five verses for like several days because like there were just things that you know like um, i was making connections about scripture or you know, I'd be looking at chapter seven and it would like spark something that I had read in chapter five. And all of a sudden I'm like cross-referencing and I'm like, mm. I'm like mm. this girl who's like in scripture. And, and, um, and again, four years later, sometimes, you know, Greg and our other associate pastor and I and our, our children's minister, like we're at staff meeting, but it's like I hear myself and I'm holding my own in scripture mm. because I've shown up in scripture and guess what it gets in your heart it gets into your head and it begins to come alive i love that that's and i've seen the transformation in you firsthand uh, that only scripture is able to accomplish and you know d.a carson says that the word of god will produce all kinds of vitality mm -hmm. in your life and i guess the challenge for us today is what to imagine quiet time not being something, you know, we'll make we'll make a hierarchy of ourselves any way possible as human beings and as Christians. So sometimes we, we compare ourselves to other Christians by how complex and involved our quiet time is. What if you got what if you stopped thinking along those ways? What if you stopped um, having guilt because you're just not consistent enough in quiet time? And what if you just stopped with started with something very simple? A psalm and a handful of verses and going through the gospel slowly, a three-year commitment to going through the Psalms. Um, and just see what God does. If you stop trying to be heroic or earn his approval or the approval of other sophisticated Christians and just said, I want a simple time with you every morning, would that feel lightweight to you? Would that feel like an easy yoke to do? Because those are the things that Jesus specializes in. Religion will make, um, can make anything legalistic, including quiet time. So, so build for yourself a, a lightweight time of being with the Lord. And 
as you do that, as Paul said again, as in 2 Corinthians 3.18, that as you gaze at the glory and the goodness of the Lord, you will be transformed into his image. That's this week's podcast. Thank you guys for hanging out with us, and we'll do it again next week.